Magazines of Monsters, Episode 10, City of the Dead. Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of Magazines and Monsters. And as always, I'm here to talk about a movie with my buddy Herman Lowe. How are you, buddy? Hey, Billy Man, thanks for having me back. Um, it's an honor, as always, to be on Magazines and Monsters, especially talking old horror classics with you, which is something we do a lot, you know, offline, <laughs> you know, or, or on Twitter, <laughs> or, you know, off mic, I should say. But uh, now mm -hmm. we've we this transition to magazines and monsters. Now we're doing a lot of movie discussions uh, for podcasts, which is an added bonus. <laughs> mm -hmm. So thanks, yeah. thanks, man. It's it's going to be a blast talking about this with you. Yeah, this movie we've been talking about this one back and forth for a little while now, and we even teased that we were going to talk about it in the very near future. The last time we we recorded about a movie, and uh, we're going to be talking about City of the Dead from 1960, which is. Uh, you know, a pretty interesting little film. Uh, it's only got, you know, one real big horror name in it, you know, use uh, air quotes there. But it's a pretty, you know, interesting little film, black and white. Uh, and it stars uh, one of uh, our most favorite and beloved horror icons uh, of all time, who just actually recently uh, had another birthday pass there uh, posthumously. But That's uh, right. Yeah, that would be Christopher Lee. Yeah, Christopher Lee, one of the greats. I mean, he's neck and neck with Peter Cushing for me as my mm -hmm. favorite horror actor. You know, um, I know Peter Cushing's your favorite, but Christopher Lee is probably a very close second. For me, it's it's Cushing and Lee tied in first place and then Vincent Price uh, in a firm second. Uh, it's just uh, once you see Christopher Lee in one of these old classic horrors, you just you know it's going to be a good time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For me, yeah. Cushing's uh, right in the driver's seat there. But yeah, Lee and um, like you said, Vincent Price. And then for me, even Karloff there. Those are that's my Mount Rushmore right there. Those four guys. I can watch their movies all the time. Never get bored. But yeah, this one's got Lee in, a, in an interesting role here. But, uh, you know, like we've talked about in the past, too, this was like a, you know, a pre or proto amicus film because of uh, the people behind the scenes. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. This was um, like amicus. Milton Sabotsky, sort of, and uh, well, before Amicus was Amicus, uh, Amicus, like you say, but this is basically them gearing up to eventually, you know, creating Amicus. And of course, Amicus has a different format; it's an anthology-style tale, but it's got the same type of directing and atmosphere. And um, obviously, this being black and white, not in color, but yeah, you know, you're 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 right. This is the production team that we would see on most of the Amicus films. So. Mm -hmm. That's that. That's already. You know, you're gonna. Well, I mean, they already had all these skills that they exhibited uh, on this film, which was almost ten years prior to the Amicus films, right, Billy? So, um, mm -hmm. uh, they, it's not like you you can look at this and you can see, oh no, this this movie's firmly still, you know, uh, in you know, uh, at the hands of people who are not yet uh, at their at the height of their skills. No, this is already you know, them exhibiting skills that have been fully formed. Yeah, and I mean, the two guys we're talking about is uh, Milton Sabotsky and uh, Max Rosenberg. That's that right, yeah. Start, that started Amicus, and there wasn't uh, a lot of things you see, especially even in the credits of the start of the film, you don't see uh, Rosenberg get credit, but he was behind the scenes helping out with this one too. So, you know, he, he was there, even though you don't see his name in the credits. But yeah, the two of them were the ones that started Amicus, but... You know, this one, it, like you said, not Amicus, but it's um, uh, like a way, way smaller company, uh, I believe, called Vulcan Films. Yeah. Um, you know, and that was somebody that, you know, if you look up uh, what kind of films they had going on, it wasn't like a huge list or anything like that. But City of the Dead, I think, uh, big time being the, the, the biggest one they had. 
But um, yeah, I bought this one actually not too terribly long ago. I can't remember who it was that put it out on DVD. If it was Arrow or who it was, it was one of the you know like smaller mid you know size uh, DVD retailers that put it out, and uh, it was they did a pretty good you know pretty good job with it. I'll have to give it to them there. I I really enjoy it. But yeah, I thought uh, you could usually find this one readily available, but I thought you never know when stuff's gonna disappear. So I thought I'm gonna buy this one. Yeah, that's right. I got this one um, uh, quite a while ago. I think it was on a bootleg copy somewhere here in Taipei in one of the night markets. <laughs> they sell these bootlegged, uh, <laughs> you know, DVDs. And, uh, you know, um, I've since uh, ordered it, uh, you know, um, over Amazon. But then, then the, they, it was available for a while. And then, you know, they send me a message saying, oh, they, they no longer ship these types of products and that was like a, a while ago already like a couple of years ago mm. so then i had to cancel the order so i was looking forward to getting a legal copy <laughs> rather than this bootleg <laughs> copy but now and i'm still holding on to the bootleg but you can watch it online uh for the listeners out there if they want they can go to dailymotion.com right billy where they could see uh city of the dead if they wanted to watch it along with us uh if they don't have the actual uh, movie on hand so there yeah, are ways archive, to see it. Yeah, archive.org has it too, so you can go there. But you know, it's yeah, it's you you can find it. It's it's to be had out there. But um, yeah, one of the guys, uh, John Moxie, that was the director here. He's done a lot of stuff, a lot of TV work, which is kind of weird. It's interesting, like a ton of TV work in America in like the late seventies, mid late seventies, and eighties, and stuff like that. You know episodes of even stuff like you know Mannix and kung fu the television series and an episode of shaft and stuff like that but i thought he did a pretty good job with this film yeah he's all over the place like you say in his directing career but here it's very focused uh firmly in the horror camp you know it's very atmospheric he has great uh i think a directorial uh you know instincts when it comes to horror but like you just mm -hmm. mentioned he's got uh you know uh great directorial instincts in other genres too so uh i would say though that he if he kept going with horror he would have had a you know a, a stronger future with just the horror films but like you say he did a lot of tv so um that's mm -hmm. neither here nor there we don't really know why but this this really was great i mean it was not hitchcock level great you know what i mean but it was mm -hmm. like uh you know it's kind of reminded me of of a, an episode of night gallery except longer you know like prolonged uh, kind of like yeah. a you know a Twilight Zone esque feel to it, but but more you know of Night Gallery you know fame, and and you could also liken it to an Amicus film, except that you know it's not black and white, but you know uh, it is black and white instead of color. Uh, it's you know the Amicus films having these short you know uh, vignette type tales. This is a longer one of that, but not incredibly long, right, Billy? I think the the total runtime is an hour and eighteen minutes. Yeah, uh, that you could mm -hmm. get through this. So it feels like a, a, a novella rather than a, a novel, if you can compare novels to movies. It's not mm -hmm. quite full length, but you do get a lot of story. You get a lot of characters. You get a lot of uh, interaction between the characters, and then you get a lot of scenes of horror. So, you know, mm -hmm. um, this this is all the director. You know, you did a great job on that, and I'm, I am I can, you know, sing the guy's praises definitely because it, it's effective. You know, lack of special effects, obviously, but and yet the movie is so creepy. Yeah, very atmospheric. And then the writer did a good job too. You know, the guy that wrote the screenplay, and that was George Baxton. He had written a lot of horror too. Though. He was in on uh, Revenge of Frankenstein. I think he was uncredited on that, but he he helped with that one, Circus of Horrors. Of course, this one, City of the Dead, and then he another one, uh, Hammer, Shadow of the Cat. Uh, I only ever saw that once or twice, so I might have to give that one a rewatch. Um, because I haven't seen that one in a long time, and I don't really kind of even remember how I felt about it. But you now another one he did the screenplay for was uh, one we just did too. Uh, yeah, the Night, Night of the, the Eagle. Eagle. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah, he did Night of the Eagle. So you know um, that that like you say that ties in what we recently discussed. That's not the reason we're talking this movie though. But um, <laughs> you know it's it's a it's a happy coincidence, right, Billy? But I think you know mm -hmm. the story itself came from Milton Sabotsky, didn't it? If if just the the, the plot idea, yeah. I think, yep. and then he handed it over to Bax, and Bax did a magnificent job with the screenplay, I think. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Now some of the actors in it, Billy. I know you're going to transition to the actors now. They mm -hmm. they're competent, but I wouldn't say they are great. Of course, Christopher Lee de delivers the best performance in the film. But but uh, you know the the actors here they're not 
the 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 best of the best but but for these roles that they played in i think you know they they made it work um but you can definitely see there's a, a, a little bit of a lower acting level quality in this compared to other uh you know horror movies uh, great horror movies of the time or, or or would you agree yeah i mean i think lee like you said was great because he's just christopher lee and he's great you know even in some of the you know <laughs> really crappy movies he yeah. was in he was still not too bad in them you know he was usually the bright spot or at least one of the few bright spots in them but there wasn't really a whole other a lot of other people in this movie I recognized, but uh, one of them I recognized was uh, the girl from the more from the second act. Here is uh, Betta St. John. Yeah. Now, I, yeah, I remember her because she had done also um, a Hammer film, a, a smaller Hammer film that not a lot of people have even heard of called The Snorkel. <laughs> you ever heard of that one? <laughs> yeah, I've heard of it, but I've, that's one of the ones I've never seen. That was from 1958, right? Yeah, you and... would like that one. Yeah, it's a good one. Okay, no, I, I should I should watch that. I know a little bit about it. I think I read up on it a, a while ago. It's like, um, you know, uh, a, a a girl that you know uh, believes that her stepfather or something murdered her mom, right? And then mm-hmm. yeah, you know, she she has yeah. to do a bit of a Nancy Drew style, uh, you know, investigation. Mm-hmm. So definitely one for for you know my list that I need to get to watch. But yeah, she's been yeah. in a, a lot of stuff. You're right, Billy. She's the arguably the second most well-known actor act in in this uh, film you know christopher lee being the the number one but she's not known for a lot mm-hmm. but she was in uh the third man actually you know the mm-hmm. the tv series the third man though and then yeah. um you know a couple of other things she was in a tarzan film you know um uh, the invisible man tv series she did a lot of tv and then here mm-hmm. and there a movie so yeah she's definitely like you say she's she, we, we know her from somewhere and she's also a striking lady. She's very attractive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah. Better yeah, than sure. John. And then I thought uh, someone who gave a very sinister performance was uh, Patricia Jessel, who's sort of the main uh, uh, you know, antagonist in this film, right? She's uh, Elizabeth mm-hmm. Selwyn, and she also plays um, you know, the, the, the landlady um, uh, known as Mrs. Newless. So I thought mm-hmm. she was uh, suitably evil-looking... You know, I don't know if she could play any other roles uh, well, you know, like put it, put her in a role where she has to be a, a kindly old, you know, uh, mother. That wouldn't work. <laughs> she definitely has this look that she would play <laughs> villainesses throughout her entire career. But she did a good oh, job, yeah. you know. But but then the yeah. rest, I think uh, some of the actors uh, in, in this, you know, they didn't perform very strong roles, for, particularly um, Venetia Stevenson. You know, Nan Barlow, she's very beautiful, but I don't think she's a great actress exactly. You know, Billy, what do you think? Yeah, she was just okay, and the guy that played her boyfriend in the movie, you know, too, uh, he was just okay to me as well. You know, not bad or anything like that, but just not anything really good or memorable. Um, And then her brother was uh, a professor at the same college. He was attending uh, Richard. Richard, He was okay, too. Yeah, he was okay, too. Yeah, I liked when he jousted with Lee a little bit as like a skeptic, but then when it came to him kind of being like a bit of the hero towards the end, I didn't think he was that great. You know, he was he was just like I said, he was okay. Nothing, nothing great there. Yeah, he reacted more than you know, rather than acted. I think he just uh, you know, it, it depended on the performances of those around him, and then he could be great. But but on his own, he was a very one note actor. I think. But, you know, this movie's not about the acting, though, right, Billy? I, I should say that. Uh, I brought this up, but it, actually the movie's about mm-hmm. the, the, like you said, the atmosphere that the director um, invokes. And that is what mm-hmm. makes this movie pretty great. Plus, the plot is pretty cool, too. We'll get into that. But, you know, um, I want to mention someone else. There's um, uh, one character in this, um, and his name's Jethro Keen, and he's played by a guy called <laughs> Valentin dial right Billy he's got a Mm -hmm. very striking voice a very uh, you know distinctive uh, sound to his voice if you think about guys like James Earl Jones uh, or Morgan Freeman he's got that type of uh, you know um, legendary level voice but he never made it you know big (laughs) but but when Mm -hmm. I heard him speak on screen I was like whoa this guy's voice man this this really this is going to be in my nightmares 
Yeah, and then I actually enjoyed uh, the music to this one as well. So that was Douglas Gamley, who I'd never heard of um, before, but he I thought he did a pretty good job on this one. I mean, I, I really like the the uh, music on this one, and he did a ton of other stuff with uh, um, Amicus then too later on. So you know, from Beyond the Grave and yeah, he did the, the Beast, Beast Must, must die. die. That's right, Asylum. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, they kept him much. on. Yeah, I think yeah, pretty much all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, Sabotsky gave him a lot of work after that because yeah, like you say, this is a pretty great, um, you know, like you say, soundtrack and the the music that he did here that he scored. But uh, there is a f uh, you know the music's great, but I I think the mm -hmm. inclusion of some songs at certain points kind of at at times ruined the horror effect for me. We'll we'll get to that when we talk about it. You know, like for instance, the driving mm -hmm. scenes. There's a lot of driving scenes here. You know, in this <laughs> yeah. movie, and there's some scenes where there's like a jaunty little tune playing, but they're driving on this scary, <laughs> you know, mist-ridden road. <laughs> this jaunty little yeah. jazz beat <laughs> is in the background. <laughs> but you know, you know, still the music is pretty great because when it comes down to the actual scenes of murder and horror, mm -hmm. then the the music, you know, uh, sort of redeems itself. Yeah, the high anxiety parts, I think he got right, and he got them really, really well. But, yeah, like you said, some of those those other scenes where, you know, they could have chose something a little different, and it was uh, a little off-key there. I don't know what he was thinking there, but, yeah, I thought, man, those parts where, you know, like you said, it's like the crap's going to hit the fan. He was pretty good at those high-tension moments. Yeah. No, no, so so a couple of uh, notable actors here, not because they became famous afterwards, but because, you know, of their uh, singular performances in this film, you know, that I will mm -hmm. definitely remember them for, right, Billy? But uh, like you say, they, they never transitioned beyond these parts. Um, of course, Christopher Lee was already a household name at this point in time, but, you know, so I, I think he his presence in the film made it successful but you could also argue that just the film itself the script the director and uh you know the because christopher lee doesn't feature in a lot of uh the <clears> film <throat> scenes at all he, he's in the beginning no. and he's at a little bit in the middle and then at the end but he's very much just a ancillary character who who mm -hmm. sort of jump starts the events rather than uh, get involved mm -hmm. in them except for the very end mm -hmm. yeah you're right yeah, so pretty great, sure. um, you know, movie. You and I have both mentioned this in the beginning. We both love it. Um, and, you know, just a few little nitpicks with the cast and a few missteps there with their acting. But, um, you know, hey, I'm not an actor, so who am I to judge? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll leave the acting to the actors because that's not for me. I, would, uh, I wouldn't make it out there in Hollywood or yeah. over in the UK, wherever you want to <laughs> say, I wouldn't be able to hack it either way. <laughs> it's just, I think, Billy, I think it's because of Christopher Lee. Every scene he's in with, let's say, characters like Nan Barlow, Venetia Stevens, mm. uh, you know, uh, her real name, and Dennis Lottis, who's her brother, Richard Barlow, who's arguably, they're the two main characters, right, in this mm -hmm. entire thing. Um, you could also say that, you know, Betta St. John is a sort of main character, but she, like you say, she's only in some parts of the movie, very much like Christopher Lee. So let's say for, for argument's sake, Richard Barlow and his sister Nan Barlow are the main characters because the first half mm -hmm. of the movie we spend with Nan and then the second mm -hmm. half with Richard. When you put both of them in scenes with Christopher Lee, wow, the, the difference is so striking. I mean, his dialogue is so natural. It sounds realistic, but they're very much... Their dialogue is very, very, uh, you know, uh, rote and mechanical almost, the way they deliver it. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're yeah. very one-note kind, of, uh, uh, kind of acting. So that's why. That's the only reason why it was so noticeable to me. So it, it stood out to me that their acting's not quite up to, to par of the, the greats like Cushing and, and, and Lee. Yeah, those guys were very natural, but that's, hey, that's why they were the greats and everybody's not at their level. <laughs> that's right. All right, well, I'm going to take a peek here. We're looking at everything else. I think we got everything out of the way with the uh, cast and crew and things like that. So why don't we jump out for a quick break here and uh, roll the trailer, and then we'll come right back. Burn the witch! Burn witch, burn witch, burn, burn, burn. 
so sorry for the people of Whitewood when they burned Elizabeth Selwyn in 1692. Going to a place called Whitewood for a week or so to do some research. Whitewood? Not many God-fearing folks visit Whitewood nowadays. Any witches buried there? There are indeed. On Candlemas Eve, a coven of witches gathered beneath the Raven's Inn to perform a black mass in the honor of Lucifer. The witch, Elizabeth Selwyn, marked a young girl for sacrifice. Leave Whitewood. Leave Whitewood tonight. Okay, buddy, so why don't we just jump right into the story here, and then we'll talk about the movie in its uh, completeness. How about that? Yeah, that sounds good to me, Billy. Um, this story is great if you're a horror fan, because it's, it's the classic, uh, you know, it's mystery wrapped up in horror, and um, it's got a, a sinister setting, and it's got, uh, you know, a, a, a lone girl as a victim. So you know you're mm-hmm. gonna get some 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 good out of his out of this. The only thing that you don't see coming is the ending, which which mm-hmm. is what you want out of the horror movie. You don't want a predictable ending, and this one was nowhere near predictable. I thought things were gonna go south at the end there, you know, rather <laughs> than have this 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 ending that that had good triumphing triumphing over evil. But you know, still I I didn't mind that because, you know, the the director and the story the plot kind of threw us for a loop there at the end. I think. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it starts off obviously with this, uh, you know, lecture given by this uh, college professor who's uh, played by Christopher Lee. And he's known as uh, Professor <clears throat> Driscoll, Alan Driscoll. So mm-hmm. Professor Driscoll, he's uh, lecturing this class in his uh, office. So it's a small class. And, you know, uh, one of the students is pro- possibly his favorite student. <laughs> She's a teacher's pet type of student, <laughs> Nan Barlow. She's and and he's a lecturer on you know folklore and myths and um, you know so he's a type of a, a sociologist I would say or an anthropologist and uh, he specifically lectures them about witchcraft and the burning of of witches in New England and and we in fact know that that never happened Billy historically the witches in New England they weren't burnt they were you know drowned or or weighed down with rocks until they were crushed you know the the witch burnings actually only happened in europe uh which mm-hmm. is something that film doesn't always portray we always see witch burnings in happening in the states 200 300 years ago so uh it starts off pretty great though because the the way the movie starts is with the actual events that happened in in the 1700s with this mm-hmm. witch elizabeth salwin being, mm-hmm. um, you know, burned at the stake in this town <laughs> called Whitewood, and that's where the 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 the, the plot would mostly take place. That the unfold is in this town of Whitewood, and mm-hmm. um, you want to speak on that first scene, Billy, which is very upsetting for some people because of dialogue and because of the actual burning. Um, and in fact, I think in the states, didn't they have to cut some of the dialogue? Uh, you know that 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 appears now in its original form. Uh, some of the dialogue yeah. they had to cut out. The dialogue referring to Satan, to <laughs> Lucifer, to the Black Mass, and to, I'll sell, you uh-huh. know, give you my soul. Yeah, so that's a very good scene. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's that's how the story op- the the scene opens with like you know a, a fog shrouded uh, town, and you see the old torch wielding, pitchfork wielding townspeople, uh, and they. Uh, come to a door and they say to one of the goons there bring out elizabeth Selwyn," and they bring her out these two goons and everybody's just kind of staring at her and the one old lady says witch and she spits at her <laughs> and then they're like let's burn her you know and as they're dragging her off it's interesting to try to burn her she calls out to uh one of the townspeople jethro and 
everybody's kind of looking around like, uh-oh, is he in league with her? And they're like, are you consorting with the witch? And he's like, no, because he doesn't want to get his butt burned. <laughs> so <laughs> they drag her off and, you know, they string her up. And as they light her up, she basically makes a pact with the devil and then lays a curse on them, which is super cool. And, you know, all the townspeople are like, burn the witch, burn the witch. And it transitions to Christopher Lee in his classroom saying, burn, witch, burn, burn. Oh, burn. that's a great it's really, bit. really good. Yeah, that's, yeah, the, great the, transition. that's the first great uh, scene transition. There's one later on in the middle of the, mm-hmm. the film that we'll talk about as well. Very oh, Alfred yeah. Hitchcock. But, you know, um, <laughs> this this was a great scene transition where they, like you say, chant burn, witch, burn. And then that immediately cuts to Christopher Lee giving this lecture uh, in modern day, mm-hmm. Burn, Witch, Burn. And, yeah. uh, you know, the students are very interested, except for Nan Barlow's boyfriend, who's for some reason also taking this class, possibly just to, <laughs> to, to be with his girl Nan. And that is yeah. uh, Maitland, as uh, Christopher Bill. Lee calls him when he scolds him for not paying attention. <laughs> Maitland! <laughs> I love that yeah, Bill, scene. Bill Maitland. Yeah, Bill Maitland. <laughs> yeah, Bill Maitland. Uh, he's he doesn't want any part of this uh, lecture. He says it's 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 boring. He in fact makes jokes throughout the class. Right when mm-hmm. when when Christopher Lee when Professor Driscoll says you know remember to prepare your notes <laughs> and they just talked about the witch burning. Uh, Bill Maitland says yeah I'll bring the matches. That's <laughs> a that's a great bit. And then you know yeah, um. Good. Yeah, you've got Nan staying after class because she wants to talk about her final paper and what she's going to be doing research on. And that's mm-hmm. when Christopher Lee suggests, uh, why don't you go and check out the town of Whitewood? Because that's where Elizabeth Selwyn, which was the topic of this lecture, was actually burned at the stake. And then, mm-hmm. you know, Nan's interested because she, she wants very similitude. She wants to be in the thick of things doing her research. She just doesn't want to, you know, just read books in a dusty old library. So she gets the address of the town, the location of the town from Professor O'Driscoll, who, uh, from Professor Driscoll, who turns out, you know, that this, this Professor Alan Driscoll, he was born in Whitewood. So he's one mm-hmm. of the residents, he used to be one of the residents there. And uh, yeah. there's a bit of a sinister, you know, you know, uh, connection here, which we'll learn about later, right, Billy? But I don't want to spoil anything yet. And mm-hmm. she takes it to heart. But before that, her brother shows up. And uh, he also mm-hmm. shows up to, to pick up Nan. And uh, Bill's outside waiting for Nan to finish with the professor. And uh, her brother, Dick Richard Barlow, um, mm-hmm. he shows up. And he's also a professor at the same university, at the same college. He's, but he's in the science department. So he's a scientist. And he mm-hmm. just rudely barges in, <laughs> right, to... <laughs> to into uh, Christopher Lee's office, the Professor Driscoll's office, and he just wants to talk to his sister. And then he finds out about what they're talking about, about this research trip that she plans to take to uh, Whitewood to research her paper mm-hmm. on witchcraft. And he's little, he's little taken aback by that because apparently they've got a family engagement, right, Billy, that they need to be on. Because after all, this is the break. This is their, their summer break. Uh, yeah. You know, basically school's out and um, they're planning on doing a family uh, trip. And so Nan assures her brother that this won't put him out too much because she'll be back in time for the family, you know, uh, reunion or get together, whatever they're having. And yeah. uh, Christopher Lee is just trying to be nonchalant about it, you know. And then uh, <laughs> uh, Richard Barlow, he turns his uh, ire towards the Professor Lee because, well, Professor O'Driscoll, because he's the one who suggested <laughs> Nan go on this trip and this could possibly affect their family plans. So he makes light of witchcraft, right? He says, oh, it's a bunch <laughs> of, uh, you know, uh, craziness. It doesn't non- never happen. Nonsense. It's nonsensical. I'm a scientist, Driscoll. I believe what I can see, what I can touch, <laughs> right? He's, he's got that little bit of a, a speech. And then, you know, mm-hmm. Christopher Lee's having none of it because, uh, in fact, he is a believer in magic. We'll see mm-hmm. why. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he's, they're having this, uh, this argument. But you can kind of see both of them sort of respecting each other a little bit, you know, Billy, especially later on when they meet up again. Uh, they have a mm-hmm. mutual respect for each other, but uh, at, at least for uh, their, their, them as people. But, you know, for their fields, I think Christopher Lee has some real disdain for science, where his yeah. character. And, uh, you know, the brother of Nan, Professor Barlow, he's got a real disdain for, you know, 
anthropology <laughs> or for the study of folklore. <laughs> so, yeah, and then, you know, um, th this is what happens then. In fact, um, Nan takes off for Whitewood and um, mm -hmm. she's alone driving in her car, very Psycho-esque, you know, it's very uh, reminiscent of the opening of Psycho. You know, yeah. opening scene where she drives the car towards Whitewood. She then needs to ask for directions, right, Billy? Mm -hmm. Because it seems that this town is not frequented by any locals in the area because they view it as an, an ungodly place. I mean, she stops at a gas station asking for directions. And this old man at the <laughs> gas station is great. He says, like, oh, no God-fearing folk would go there. Oh, no. Oh, no, miss. I wouldn't go there if I were you. <laughs> you know, so you've got this kind of cabin in the woods, kind of uh, ominous, you know, gas attendant sort of, you know, already warning her, you know, that, that there's going to be trouble down the way. <laughs> yeah, she blows him off, though. She's just like, yeah, yeah. Which way is it, old guy? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't have a lot of time. I, I really need to get there. Please give me the directions. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, so Billy, now speak Aww. about the next bit. When she gets to the town, she's been recommended by 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 Professor Driscoll to check into the Ravens uh, Inn, right? Uh, that, is that what it's mm -hmm. called? The, the... Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, and... as she's on, on the road in, she sees somebody standing by a sign, oh. and it's pretty foggy out. And she's like, "Hey, is this the way to get to Whitewood?" And he's like, "Yes." He's like, "Can I give? Can you give me a ride?" And I'm thinking, uh, I know it was 1960, but you're a young attractive lady and this is some old creep you know you're yeah. in a, an area you don't even know but she's like hey sure jump in and he jumps in and <laughs> oh introduces goodness. himself as jethro keen and he's heading to whitewood as well to the raven's inn and she's like oh that's great nice to meet you and he's like nice to meet you i'm like with oh, his boy. with his uh, sonorous uh, resonating sepulchral almost voice right billy this is the guy mm. I mentioned earlier. Yeah, Jethro Keen, yeah. which the name would sound familiar and the face is definitely familiar to anybody who's seen the movie because he is the the resident of Whitewood from 350 years ago when Elizabeth Selwyn was burned at the stake. She called out to him mm -hmm. and he, you know, mm -hmm. renounced her at the end there. But he also prayed to Lucifer while she was burning to save her. Yeah. And that mm -hmm. also fueled her curse. So he is that very self-same man. But Billy, this is a, a scary bit. When they head into the town, you know, she's she she parks the car. She's about to get out, and she she speaks to Jethro. And what does she see? Yeah, she's uh, going back and forth, and she's like, "Well, I hope that uh, Mrs. I hope they have that room for me at the Ravens Inn." And she turns and looks, and he's gone. Like you didn't hear a sound or anything. A door open, nothing. She just looks over, and he's gone. And there's like this tiny little bit of mist like going in and out of the window there but yeah poof he's gone exactly it's creepy it's very creepy and speaking about the mist it's everywhere in this little town of whitewood which mm -hmm. which at various points in the movie it's called a city you know billy this is crazy it's literally just <laughs> one street <laughs> there's no city uh -huh. to speak of but you know that's why the movie's called city of the dead you know in fact when it was released in the states it was called horror hotel Right. So yeah. um, that's more mm -hmm. appropriate, I would say, because after all, <laughs> most of uh, what most of the horrific scenes happen in this uh, little hotel, if you can even call it that, this inn called the Ravens Inn. And then, you know, uh, Nan meets the proprietor of this inn, right, Billy? And that is uh, someone who's very similar to the witch, Elizabeth Selwyn, who was burnt in the beginning <laughs> of the film, Mrs. Newless. <laughs> A.K.A. Elizabeth uh -huh. Selwyn. <laughs> mm -hmm. And like you said, you know, her and Jethro made a pact with Satan there as she was getting cooked. So, you know, you can kind of figure out already that that's, you know, that's her. So <laughs> we're not we don't we're not sure yet how they're accomplishing uh, this feat of longevity, but we're going to find out soon enough. <laughs> yeah. Is it reincarnation? Nope. It's not reincarnation. Could it be something else? Could it be a descendant of theirs? Nope. It's not that either. So, yeah. <laughs> gonna find out soon it's it's a lot more supernatural than that and uh then believe it seems that this little town of whitewood it's got quite a few interesting places i mean it's got this church which is for mm -hmm. for the most part boarded up because there's no congregation <laughs> you know it's just got this lone mm -hmm. reverend that dwells in this church and then it's got a bookstore uh, run by the reverend's daughter who's only recently returned to Whitewood after her grandmother passed 
And uh, yep. it's an antique store slash bookstore, right? So it's got a lot of books. And of course, Nan's attracted to that because it's got a section on witchcraft in this little library. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she heads in there, but not before she visits the church, which she's sort of barred from entering by this old blind reverend who says that, who warns her, much like the gas attendant did, that it's an ungodly place. So that's a pretty good scene. And, you know, this old guy, he's got the fear of God in him because some things have happened to him. He's been, you know, in this town for quite for his entire life. But he's been battling some some evil in this town, which he hints at. Mm -hmm. Now, then oh, we yeah. then we get to meet uh, his granddaughter, who's who I, it's, it's almost like a, a lead character as well. Patricia Russell, right? Uh, she she mm -hmm. asks people to call her Pat, Pat Russell, and she's <laughs> pretty pretty striking. I would say if I had to pick between her and Nan, I'd pick Patricia. You know, mm -hmm. she's she's very beautiful, and then oh, yeah. you know, Billy she loans a book to Nan on witchcraft, and yeah. um, then Nan hits into the the Ravens Inn for some rest. But it turns out, Billy, that it's Candlemas Eve. February 1st, Candlemas mm -hmm. Eve. And that is traditionally when witches desecrate, you know, churches and uh, perform unholy rites. And mm -hmm. uh, that and the witches' Sabbath, which is uh, a little bit later, are the two unholy days that witches cavort in graveyards and stuff <laughs> like that. Yeah. And now, unknown to Nan, this is actually going to happen. But but she's uh, she meets this uh, other girl, right, Billy? Lottie. This this mute uh, mm -hmm. little servant of Mrs. Newless at the Ravens Inn, and Mrs. Newless yeah. repeatedly threatens Lottie not to to bother <laughs> Nan, but yeah. Lottie tries to warn her about something, right? Even though she can't speak. Yeah, every time she gets like kind of close to being able to warn her, Mrs. Newless pops up out of nowhere and threatens her, and that's. <laughs> it, it, we'll, we're going to see a little bit later that that's that ends up being uh, something that ends up. Uh, costing Lottie dearly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's oh, true. Poor Lottie. And then, mm. you know, Billy, we've got this scene where Mrs. Newless sort of, um, well, at first Nan, you know, she's uh, occupying a pretty comfortable room in the Ravens mm -hmm. Inn, but she hears strange sounds beneath the floorboards and she looks beneath this rug and she finds a trap door, uh, you know, uh, in her room. And she asks Mrs. Newless about it, but Mrs. Newless says, oh, no, that's just, in, you know, it used to be a basement, but it's been filled up to strengthen the foundations and whatnot, and there's no handle because, um, you know, nobody needs to go down there. So, you know, put your mind at rest. They're, it's impossible that you could have heard sounds coming from there. And, yeah. You know, then uh, Nan studies up on witchcraft, but um, she's invited outside to, to party with the guests, and the guest seems to be cutting a jig there on the in the the main uh, what do you call it the the foyer of the hotel there right Billy and then yeah. Nan heads into her room to get dressed to join them she gets out there and there's nobody the place is completely deserted and then mm -hmm. when she asks Mrs. Newless about it this is very sinister Mrs. Newless says oh it's Candlemas Eve they're doing their services. <laughs> so Nan, then Nan, you know, red lights should have gone flashing, you know, warning signs should have been, you know, flashing her brain because she studied up on witchcraft. She knows it's Candlemas Eve when witches are frolicking about. And yet Mrs. Newless said that in the middle of the night, these guests are all at services. <laughs> There's no congregation, Nan. You've been told that. And yet, you know, she still goes to sleep, you know, well, at least goes into her room. Uh, but Billy, then, you know, something happens. She sees a key. Now, I, I only think, I, what, what are your thoughts on this? This key, was it placed there by Mrs. Newless? This key hanging in her room for this trap door? Yeah, I'm thinking it was, or Jethro crept in there and put it in there because it wasn't there before, you know, when she was running around. Yeah, that's right. Someone must have placed it there. It could be Jethro mm -hmm. because he's got the ability to pop in and out, you know, wherever he wants <laughs> to be, teleporting in and out somehow, mystically. And then mm -hmm. she uses this key to unlock this trapdoor because it fits in into this this keyhole. And then she mm -hmm. she opens the trapdoor and she enters this this catacomb, right? This mm -hmm. this subterranean uh, labyrinth. Mm -hmm. 
and what happens to her belly her curiosity you know would end up uh, killing the cat here because can you speak on this scene this is pretty frightening yeah she's creeping around down there and then all of a sudden she gets jumped and she gets taken to like a crypt and there's like a slab like a sacrificial kind of slab and they slap her down on top of it and all of a sudden she's looking around and at first you you don't recognize any of the faces but then, oh, all of a sudden you recognize a face and it's Mrs. Newless all dressed up and she has this huge dagger. And then they're starting to do like a countdown. And then I don't know if you see Jethro in that scene or not, but then all of a sudden, just as Mrs. Newless is getting ready to plunge the knife, you see uh, Professor Driscoll there in the background. And then wham, she plunges the knife and another good jump cut here. It cuts straight to the family get together where... Uh, Dick Barlow is uh, slicing the cake right as Nance gets, you know, sliced up by the 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 cult or whatever they are, the witches. Mm-hmm. You know, the you coven, see, yeah. yeah, the coven. You see this this knife hitting this cake. Oh man, that's a great scene. And then <laughs> this is apparently already two weeks later, right? This is now two weeks after the, you know, the Correct, death yeah. of Nan because. Um, at this uh, family reunion where Nan, Nan had to show up there, you know, but she's apparently never late. She's very punctual. Um, her boyfriend shows up and uh, her brother Dick was expecting Nan, you know, and then, you know, um, her boyfriend Bill Maitland shows up first and they're both, you know, obviously worried about Nan. You know, she hasn't shown up and she hasn't written or telegraphed or phoned a Bill in two weeks. He's worried about her. So they end up calling the police. Yeah. Because they can't find a number for the Ravens Inn. The operator says this Ravens Inn in Whitewood where Nan's staying doesn't exist. So they're, you know, uh, understandably worried. They call up the cops and the, 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 the police uh, send out a car to investigate this disappearance of this girl, Nan Barlow. And the, the police do end up, you know, um, sort of canvassing the town of Whitewood. But, you know, they're told the same story that she she checked out she left, you know, the Ravens in the day after she arrived. Um, but then, you know, one of the police officers speaks to uh, Pat Russell, Patricia Russell, right? The bookstore proprietress. And then she gets suspicious because after all, she loaned a book to Nan. She went to the Ravens Inn to retrieve the book. Nan wasn't mm-hmm. there. And then the police showed up saying that Nan's missing. So obviously Patricia is now concerned. So Patricia heads into you know, the city, not into the city of Whitewood. Mm-hmm. She, she leaves the town of Whitewood to go talk to uh, to uh, the brother, you know, to Dick Barlow. And mm-hmm. uh, because she's worried about Nan Russell, there's something strange going on here. And she can sense that because she's one of the only, she, along with her grandfather, I believe, are some of the only normal people in this town of Whitewood. <laughs> the rest are a bunch of freaks. <laughs> These yeah. two old ladies that appear in the mist that, you know, glance at you when you pass them by and they look at you like they're about to to eat you like trifle, right? <laughs> it's it's mm-hmm. it's uh, disturbing, the, the rest of the folks in this town. But these two normal people, the, the reverend and his granddaughter, Patricia, they're the, the ones who are concerned with what's happening. Well, Patricia goes to the college. First, yeah. To, yeah, she goes there first to... Uh, Professor you know, Driscoll. Uh, Professor Driscoll, and it's funny. Right before that, too, we see... Uh, Dick show up at Professor Driscoll's house, but <laughs> he, he interrupts a little uh, something he's doing in his office there. What's he doing there? <laughs> With the pigeon. <laughs> oh, yeah, man, that pigeon scene. Listen, this, this is great. And and he says he's, I mean, he grabs this little pi- pigeon in a very sinister well, way, awful. wraps it in his yeah. huge hands, takes this needle, stabs it to death and say, I consecrate this life to you, O Lord of light. <laughs> so you're like, whoa, this is pretty sinister. Then he hears the bell ring. And, the, the, and his eyes are like, oh, crap. Yeah, and he washes his hands at this weird little, yeah. you know, fountain. Lion head. Yeah, that he's got built into the wall in his house. Then he covers the whole, <laughs> well, what what do you call it? Like a uh, little temple that he has there with this curtain. And then he goes yeah. to answer the door, and it turns out to be his first guest. In fact, it's not Pat Russell; it's uh, Dick Barlow, who's inquiring about, you know, Whitewood. He says, "My sister disappeared there, and you're the one who sent sent her there. You must know something, you know." But he mm-hmm. he knows nothing. So as Dick leaves, um, 
Patricia shows up and she wants to talk to the to Professor Driscoll about Nan. In fact, she wants to drop off uh, something she found in the book that Nan was reading, which mm-hmm. is like Nan's locket, right, Billy? Is that what it is? I think it yeah. was. Lottie gave it to her when yeah. she was uh, getting her book back there, and she didn't want Mrs. Newless to see her give it to her. So, yeah, yeah. she was like, I want to return it to her family. And he's like, oh, you can just leave it with me. And she's like, oh, if you could just give me their address. And he's like, all right. And Damn. he's like, oh, she lives with her brother. That was the guy that just walked out. And she's like, oh. So then she uh, talks to her and uh, Patricia talks to uh, Dick and Bill about the necklace. And then Bill's like, yeah, I think this is like one of a kind. So this had to be hers. It's not like it could be yeah. somebody else's. Yeah. And then, you know, um, uh, meanwhile, uh, Nan's boyfriend, um, you know, uh, Maitland, Bill Maitland, mm-hmm. he's been reading up on witchcraft because he wants to see what she's <laughs> been researching. So he knows more than, I mean, he, he, he hates the subject, but it, he became an <laughs> expert because of necessity, right? Billy, there, they had to sort of track down Nan, and then he thought they could do that through her writing. So they will retrace her steps. But um, Patricia heads back to town to take care of her, her grandfather. And then, um, you know, uh, Dick Barlow, he gets ready to go to see what to retrace his sister's steps but later bill would follow bill maitland would follow him and then mm-hmm. uh, he heads into whitewood dick barlow does and then he wants to check into the same room his sister stayed in at the raven's inn and yeah. uh at first uh, mrs newless is uh, reluctant but then she gives him the room and then you know he starts uh, canvassing the town to find out what happened to his sister and of course he he meets up with pat again and she introduces him to mm-hmm. her grandfather. And then the grandfather has the full story, basically, right? But he's like, I've been <laughs> young man. I've been battling the evil in this town all my life. And uh, their master made me blind, you know, for my efforts. He cursed me, <laughs> you know, so. And he says, this witch is abroad. This witch is about. Mm-hmm. So, you know, now, uh, still, I think, because... Uh, Dick being a scientist, right, Billy? He, he's disbelieving. He doesn't want to yeah. believe this, but he's taken heed because he thinks, hey, crazy, you know, uh, definitely uh, br- uh, leads to more crazy in this town. So that might be the the source of what happened to to Nan. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, um, the, the, after that, things start escalating, right, Billy? We've got... Now, uh, we've learned that... Um, uh, we've learned a lot more than, than than was hinted at in the beginning. This is, in fact, a coven of witches who have been kept immortal by uh, annual sacrifices to their dark lord, human sacrifices that have to be attractive girls because apparently Satan only accepts the souls of, of hot babes, right? <laughs> <laughs> He's Satan's horny. <laughs> yeah, always. Well, literally and figuratively, you're right. <laughs> so... You know, uh, it, they they set their sights on Nan, and in fact, Nan was sent to them by an accomplice, whom you might already know who that was. And then it turns out that one sacrifice had to happen on Candlemas Eve, but the second one has to happen on the witch's Sabbath, which is mm-hmm. coming up, which is in fact that very night. Mm-hmm. And they've set their eyes on Patricia Russell because she's the only other hot girl in town. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. So yeah, that's poor, all. That's our only option here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And now we learn more because now you know Jethro and Mrs. Newless are openly scheming together in the Ravens Inn. They're they're mentioning their plans, and it turns out to ensure to keep their immortality. Uh, so they are the actual people from 350 years ago, from the you know the time of the death of mm-hmm. Elizabeth Salwyn. This is the the self same Elizabeth Salwyn who's been not resurrected, but she's undead. In fact, all of them are mm-hmm. undead, right? Believe they're zombies. Basically. Yeah, they're zombies, yeah. but they're intelligent zombies, and they're uh, kept alive or kept, uh, you know, animated by these uh, annual sacrifices to Satan. Mm-hmm. So they have to keep yeah. this thing going, this racket that they have, and <laughs> and then we 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 already know that Professor Driscoll is their you know front man over in uh, the the wider world. He sends students to them or sends girls to the town. Most of the time, to for research purposes on their own papers, but you know sometimes it's it's not the case. But he's firmly one of these witches who benefit from the immortality. He's one of the coven, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, 
Professor O'Driscoll is, is is Christopher Lee's great when he plays a bad guy. I, I just love him as a as an evil oh, yeah. figure. And then you know you've got them kidnapping Nan, right, Billy? Because after all, now they need to get the ball rolling because now they've they've got some interference here from Dick Barlow. But before that happens, Maitland drives towards the town. What happens to poor Bill? <laughs> yeah, he's one of the you know three people that you know come blasting through and stop to talk to the crazy uh, gas station attendant guy, and he goes blasting up the road. But it's really foggy out. But not only is it foggy, uh, Mrs. Newless, you know, I guess she's getting the impression that hey, you know, we we can handle a couple people, but then now another one's coming to help out. So she wants to put a stop to it so she uh has like a effigy of herself like in the middle of the road and he swerves and smashes into a tree and almost blows himself up <laughs> yeah well he's seriously injured man he's got some some internal injuries there i think because a couple of broken ribs maybe a concussion cracked his head open yeah, yeah. Uh, you know cracked his skull because he walks around bloody for the rest of the film for the re- for the next mm-hmm. 25 minutes at least so he has to walk to the town in this injured state poor bill but he will show up later yeah. right now richard <laughs> uh-huh. dick barlow's got his own problems because he's in the hotel then he gets a call from patricia on the phone and she's screaming because someone's trying to kidnap her and then the phone goes dead he runs over mm-hmm. to her and her grandpa's house and what does he find he finds the old man dying on the armchair but before mm-hmm. he does he says that they've taken patricia and then he says the only thing that could defeat the witches are is the shadow the shadow of the cross the shadow <laughs> right and then he he, he dies yeah poor guy oh and we forgot to mention in the meantime too lottie again tries to oh. warn somebody about the uh shenanigans of mrs newless and jethro and they catch her and they were like we told you don't do that <laughs> yeah jethro chokes the crap out of her <laughs> damn that was a terrible death you know poor lottie she's so you know, vulnerable, so fragile, so unassuming, uh-huh. and then she gets choked by this giant of a man to death, mm-hmm. right, Billy, on this bed. And uh, that yeah, he's was, a big guy. Yeah, he's a big guy. That happened in uh, Dick Barlow's room, right? He, she was writing a message to <laughs> yeah. him on a piece of paper, and they found her at it. Mm-hmm. And then Mrs. Newless had warned that they will put her out. Now, you thought that they would fire her. No, this means put out her lights. <laughs> <laughs> so they, it's horrible yeah. yeah the way he strangles her to death on the bed and then you know bill runs over to rescue patricia but he finds the dead grandpa he runs back to the ravens inn but now mrs newless is nowhere to be found bill though he he does uh, uh do the same as you know uh much the same as his sister did he finds the trap door he enters the catacombs and then he the first thing he finds well there's no light so he has to kind of feel his way along the wall, and then he touches the dead face of Lottie. <laughs> Ooh, gosh, oh, that was gross. a scary scene, man. <laughs> that was a very scary, scary bit. And then he keeps going, and he eventually makes it into the the chamber where they have this altar, right? This slab that they're uh, mm-hmm. that they've got Patricia on. Now this coven is bolstered by quite a few people here, right, Billy and. Uh, Mm-hmm. Professor Driscoll is there as well, just in time to benefit from the sacrifice to have his immortality renewed. And everybody's there. So even though um, Bill's got a gun, or I should say Dick, Dick Barlow's got a gun, it, it has yeah. no effect at all because these are undead witches. He keeps blasting away at them, but there's no effect. And uh, then, you know, he manages to temporarily knock, you know, one of them... Uh, to the ground and then you know uh, patricia rolls off the slab and they make a run for it (laughs) but they enter into this graveyard right they enter through a Mm -hmm. through a crypt uh, and exit and they they're in the graveyard and then they're surrounded by witches there's there's no help for them you know and um mrs newless is again has this giant dagger this biggest dagger i've ever seen right billy in (laughs) fact this is like a short sword almost and she's yeah. going to cut. This time she's not going to plunge it into into the victim's heart like she did with Nan. She wants to slice poor, you know, Pat's throat. Yeah. And she repeatedly puts the dagger against her throat, but she doesn't perform the act because they have to wait until the hour of 13, which is after midnight on the mm-hmm. witch's Sabbath, right? And, mm-hmm. the, and yeah. so they're waiting for the clock to strike this hour, this unholy hour, and then 
you know, um, what happens? Uh, we've got this, uh, you know, uh, the hero of the day, sort of. He, he's, typically, he's technically a hero, right? It doesn't turn out to be Dick Barlow. Who shows up, Billy? Uh, Bill shows up, and <laughs> like you said, he's a bloody mess. His head gashed open and broken ribs, and he's just stumbling around. And they're like, oh, you need to help us and go get a cross. The shadow of the like, cross. Yeah, yeah, he's trying to get a cross. And Mrs. Newless, I think, isn't it? Or no, yeah. Like no, no, it's, it's Mrs. Uh, Newless. Yeah, she fl- she has that humongous knife and fires it at him from about 20 yards away and hits him right in the back. And, uh, and you think, oh, he's dead. But somehow he manages to, you know, pull himself together and grab the cross. And he starts using the cross and then the shadow of the cross on these, you know, zombies and just absolutely frying them. It's almost like he has a flamethrower. <laughs> yeah, dude, he walks around with this giant crucifix, which he rested out of the ground. And, um, you know, uh, then just like you say, immolates these coven mm-hmm. members. You know, whenever the, the cross uh, gets near them, there's like this, um, I don't know, this stream of fire that spits out from the cross almost. But sometimes that doesn't even happen. They just combust, you know, just being near the shadow of the cross. And then, you know, the hour of 13 strikes. Pat is free. They haven't sacrificed her to the Dark Lord. Most of them are burned to crisps. But Elizabeth Selwyn, she escapes. We should say Mrs. Newless. And then, mm-hmm. you know, they hunt her down. But poor Bill, uh, in the meanwhile, he, he collapses after killing basically 99% of the coven. And he collapses and then dies from his hideous wounds. <laughs> wow. I mean, this guy was in a car wreck, you know, and then he was uh, impaled with this giant knife. Oh, it's terrible. And uh-huh. then they they rush to the Ravens Inn, Pat and uh, uh, and Richard Barlow, and then they find this figure sitting behind the the desk. And what mm-hmm. happens, Billy, when they when they turn her around? Yeah, they they see her there with her crazy little like cloak or robe or whatever on, but she kind of has her back towards them, and they kind of like turn her around in the chair that she's in, and she looks like you know an old hag and before this she didn't look too bad you know she was always all dolled up and you know looking good and yeah. you know fairly young but now she looks like she's super old <laughs> and she's burnt like you could see like she's 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 old but yeah. she's also been been she just looked like someone with with third degree burns all over her face yeah well <laughs> yeah. done mm-hmm. you know in, a, in an oven or something it's, it's terrifying <laughs> terrible but you know that's how the movie ends it just ends there on that note with them seeing it was Elizabeth Selwyn all along, the actual Elizabeth Selwyn from the 1700s. And uh, her, her corpse is sitting there in the hotel. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, nothing... Uh, this is what, what I was saying in the beginning, right, Billy? This is not the ending I expected. I expected them to just die, all, all the good guys to die and just be sacrificed to Satan. That's how what I expected, you know? Uh, but in <laughs> fact, it turned out that this, this evil was vanquished. But still, Nan is still dead, and Bill died in the process. And, uh, you know, the only survivors are Pat and uh, Richard Barlow, Dick Barlow, who now realize that, you know, witchcraft is real, and Professor Driscoll was was right all along. (laughs) (laughs) So they won, but they also lost, right, Billy? Yeah, they won, but there was a high price to pay. Very high price, yeah. So, wow, Mm -hmm. that was a great movie. When I watched it, you know, it's just an hour, like I said, an hour and 18 minutes, 78 minutes of, of film. Mm-hmm. And you watch it and it ends and it's so shocking, the ending. But it's also, it, it feels like it really, you know, gave you some closure in the end there. And then, you know, I turned right around and watched it again, you know, to make some notes for the podcast. But also because I just plain wanted to, you know, I just wanted to see it again. because It's such a fun little horror film. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one, and it's like, yeah, there is rewatchability there because uh, it's it's just again, it's not something that oh, well, if you see it, it's just gonna you can only see it one time and then it's spoiled. You can watch it, you know, all the time. I I literally do watch this one like every couple of months just because I enjoy it that much. It's just so much fun, and Lee is so good in it, and some of the shenanigans and stuff like that. And yeah, it's a de- it's an interesting concept too. You know, it was something that you didn't really see things like this in these you know these events happen before in a movie, so. You know, little pieces of it here and there, but not just the way they presented it. That's right. An undead coven of witches staying alive for hundreds of years with annual sacrifices of lovely maidens to their dark lord. That's a great premise there for any horror fan. So you're right, man. That's that's mm-hmm. the, the main strength of this film. 
and Christopher Lee, of course, those two things together, the, the, the story and Christopher Lee, and that makes it pretty damn good. So uh, I got to thank yeah. you for having me on for this one, Billy, because it was a pleasant uh, viewing experience and uh, a great, uh, you know, discussion we had on it because um, there's a lot to talk about with, about this film, you know, that uh, I never realized before until I actually had to sit down and start thinking about it. You know, it's, it's surprisingly deep and surprisingly intricate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They They really did a good job with this one. And like we said, it was just the beginnings of, you know, a really cool studio that you and I both uh, really like a lot with uh, Amicus too. So when you look at it that way, it really even adds more weight to it. Yeah, the road to Amicus lies in their future, and this one, you know, being on the way makes it all the more pleasurable if you look at the history of the studio. So yeah, you're right. Great film, and it led to even greater things later on. Yeah, for real. So, all right, we're going to just take a quick break here and then uh, fire off, uh, you know, promo and uh, I'll be back to uh, wrap up the show. Hey, everybody. Quentin Robinson here. I recently attempted to sneak into the Longbox Crusade headquarters basement to watch some of the Albrecht Brothers action movies while the crew was out at the Saturday matinee theater. Too bad I had a little mishap. And got stuck down here with no movies to boot however there are pieces of pat's old podcasting equipment and excellent wi-fi service so i decided to pass the time watching online fan films and talking about them what you don't know what a fan film is well there are these non-theatrical movies that people post online of already established characters and settings <laughs> Hey, hey, hey now. Just wait and see. Save all judgment for what happens when you listen to Fan Film Fridays, a new podcast found on the Longbox Crusade podcast feed. Okay, everybody, we're back. Um, Herman, so thanks for joining me once again. And uh, as always, I look forward to what we're going to talk about next. Uh, I've got a couple movies in mind there, but I'm not going to... shout them out here i'm gonna just dm you about what those uh <laughs> those two are that i'm thinking of uh, in my little brain here so we'll talk about that afterwards but uh if anybody wants to find you uh where can they uh, look uh on the social medias well i'm mostly on twitter uh that's where you and i have most most of our interactions with our fellow horror fiends and comic book fanatics and and the like so you can find me there at dark Longbox. and you and i also got our other podcast into the weird where we discuss uh, Marvel Age comic book weirdness from the Bronze Age, I should say, and that is at Into Weird, also on Twitter, and uh, basically only those two places. You know, I I really on Twitter most of the time. I don't have any other social media platforms that I frequent as much, so I'm not even going to bother mentioning them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and you and I too. You know, the cat's out of the bag. You know, we just started up a Patreon for our Into the Weird uh, podcast that we do together. So. If anybody would like to uh, check that out, you know, we got some great content on there. A couple of, you know, different tiers with some extras or just even, you know, if you want to throw us a buck for, uh, you know, a shout out on the show, you know, you can do that as well. So we're going to really be hitting that hard and uh, hopefully that'll take off and, you know, we're going to keep uh, plugging away. Yeah, I mean, if people are interested in supporting us there, Billy, they can find us there at www.patreon.com forward slash into the weird. And we'd very much appreciate your support. Um, and then, you know, of course, uh, we're going to keep rolling with magazines and monsters. I'll guest uh, star whenever you want me to, Billy. Uh, pinch hit, um, you know, whenever you need me, comic book-wise, movie-wise. I'm, I'm loving magazines and monsters these days. So um, I just want to thank you for having me on again. This this really made my, my, my weekend. <laughs> yeah, you and I love talking movies, and this is our outlet for it. So, you know, until we get bored with it, which see that happening anytime soon uh never just gonna plug it away (laughs) never (laughs) (laughs) all right well again thank you herman and uh i will see everybody uh next time
Okay, everybody, that's it for episode 10. Uh, I want to thank Herman for joining me once again. You know, always a pleasure to have him on to talk movies. And he and I will be on uh, in the future again to talk some more. Hopefully doing a couple more comic book episodes in the near future here as well and alternating with the movies. So looks like I'm going to be able to stay on that schedule uh, as uh, I originally intended. So any feedback for the show, you can send to magazinesandmonsters at gmail.com or to me on Twitter at BillyD underscore Licious and look for Herman as well at Dark Longbox. Catch you next time.